Hello again. So glad we can get in touch by way of media. I'm sure that the Lord's mercy and faithfulness is meeting you. Um, I'm hearing of your progress and I believe that things are working out. Do keep in touch. We are halfway through the month already and uh, we're believing for better things. I'm sure we'll have our testimonies. Amen. I'm so grateful for the media team that's working hard here, trying to get this online and so that we can enjoy the benefits. Thank God for Brother John Wesley, who's helping with translation also. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Father, for your faithfulness. You are the head of the church. These are your sheep. You paid. You shed your blood. You purchased them. We trust you. We worship you to be able to help feed, strengthen, and build them up. In the name of Jesus. Amen. So today, let's look at some thoughts about eternal life and some things that will be incident to that. You may be familiar with uh, Romans 3.23, which says, All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But then sometimes you get left like that. People don't tell you the remaining part of it, that you've been now justified freely by the grace of God. So we're going to trust God as we read another verse from Romans 6 and 23. For the wages of sin is death, the gift of God, is eternal life through our Lord Jesus Christ. Shall we hear Romans 6.23 in Canada, please? It's hard to imagine that without working for anything, we are just supposed to receive it as a gift. That can be a little hard to digest when you're used to working hard for everything. Man has a tendency to just work for everything, including eternal life. So they go on long pilgrimages and climb many steps and try all kinds of um, human uh, impossible things to try and attain their own salvation. But here we have what should be given to us is death and the results of it. But here Jesus gives us eternal life. Isn't that amazing? Hallelujah. Now, thinking upon these thoughts, let's proceed to the Gospel of John. John chapter 1. And we'll read from uh, the 11th, or let's start from the 12th, and then we will... Look at either verse by the side. I read John 1.12. But as many as received him, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Let's hear that in Kannada also, verse 12. <laughs> Amen. So you notice that this is in the context of verse 11. And he came to his own, but his own did not receive him. So speaking to people that were in the OT, in the Old Testament, 
under that covenant that Jesus was born. Jesus came not in the new covenant. He came in under the old covenant. And so he ministered to people who were of the old covenant. And therefore they were not born again. So they were, those who believed in him were given the authority to become sons of men. In other words, they were not actually present tense sons of God like you and I. You see, for us, the brand new birth in Christ Jesus has given us eternal life. It is our spirit nature. But to them, the authority to become sons of God was given to them after Jesus rose from the dead and the power of the Holy Ghost was poured out. Then they could cash it and receive the new birth. Amen. So that's what that verse is there about. Hallelujah. But I want us to focus on verse 13 for a minute, which says, Which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Can we hear that in Canada also? <laughs> Amen. So, notice that these born-again people, all of us who accepted Jesus, were born again, not based on human will or natural man's plans, but rather the will and plans of God, who is eternal, who knows everything, the omnipresent, omnipotent, omniscient God. And so from his thinking, he planned for us and gave birth to us, in quotes. Uh, let's look at another verse over in the book of James, James chapter 1. And um, we'll go down to verse 18. And it goes, Of his own will begat he us with the word of truth, that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Let's hear that in Canada also. Amen. So notice that is of his own will that we were born and brand new creatures, sons of God, by the will of God, not by human will or human pedigree or foreknowledge of any man. Can you see that? So this really puts a lot of uh, stress off of us because we did not plan to be born of God. God thought about us. God planned for us. And he's better than any natural father. And he knows the end from the beginning. And he knew your importance. And he decided that you were worthy and you called on his name one day and imparted that life onto your spirit man. Hallelujah. So notice that God planned for you you came from the will and the plan of God. You're not here by mistake. And so you don't have to worry about it. You're accounted for. Hallelujah. Doesn't that make you feel great? That God thought about you. God planned for you. And God brought you to the earth for this time. Hallelujah. Not from anybody else's plan or will. Hallelujah. So I really rest in that place. And I realize God gave me his own life. His own very nature, that nature which created everything, which rules everything, and he put it into my spirit because that's where I am alive, that's where you are alive. If you've accepted the Lord Jesus as your Savior and you've called upon him as your Lord, 
that life has been imparted to your spirit man and he thought about you, planned for you and accounted for you and so he is uh, in quote bound to take care of you all the way. Hallelujah. And that's that's really a lot of weight off our shoulders. No wonder he says we don't have to worry about anything. We don't have to be anxious about anything because he's a better father. That There's no father on the earth who will not take care of his own children. How much more will this father? Amen? So it's, it's amazing to just ponder about that. Let's look at another verse and um, enjoy these benefits. Praise God. I would like us to ponder on Philippians also the second chapter and uh, imagine here is a God who thought about you planned for you and then brought you into the earth of course he knew your choice he knew you would call on his name but he gave everybody a choice and thank God you chose him Philippians 2 also continues to say in verse 12 wherefore my beloved as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For, 13, it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Let's ponder on verse 13 for a minute. Can we hear verse 13 in Canada, please? Praise God. So we have God here who is actually giving you the will and the ability to do all that He has planned for you. So you can even pray, Oh Lord, help me. This thing's not really so great with me right now. I, I don't have so much will to do it, but I see that you want to work in me, both to will and do your good pleasure. I thank you for the ability to will and do your good pleasure. I mean, how good can it get? God gives birth to you according to his will. Then he works in you both to will and do his good pleasure. It's amazing. It's almost like we are basically just receivers on the earth. Hallelujah. It's nice to know that this is the way it works, isn't it? But you see, to the set of thinking that's worldly going by the senses led by your feelings you cannot imagine that there's a God who just expects you to actually receive all of these realities that are already imparted into your spirit and then act accordingly hallelujah you don't have to help him in getting saved you don't have to help him in really doing anything all you have to do is Yield to what He has already put on the inside of you and act upon it and see the benefits of His own fatherhood and His father nature. Amen? Now, it's a very subtle thing, however, because the new covenant is much more superior to the old covenant. It's uh, in such a high place that um, everything is subtle about it. Praise God. For instance... If you remember, we read verse 12 and we saw there that even that Paul was not present there, they were expected to work out their own salvation uh, with fear and trembling, working from inside, from their spirit, to bring it to the outside. Praise God. But notice he said that they were expected to much more since he was not there. 
See? In other words, you don't need much supervision over your life because of the amazing nature of the gift that's been given and the blessedness of the person living inside you, the Holy Spirit, you actually don't need a whole lot of supervision. And the thinking should be, actually, I can do more even if I'm not supervised. I don't need a headmaster over me, conking me on the head all the time. <laughs> Are you getting that? Let's read uh, verse 12 for a minute again in Canada. Amen. So you notice there, he said, much more in my absence. Much more. You notice that word, much more. In other words, the sublime nature of the new covenant the superiority of the new covenant is that you are so far removed from just being a guy that's pushed around and forced by legalism that you realize there's a deeper working inside you. You know, So you could say that the one who works in you is working deep within you and you are familiar with the deeper workings. You're more familiar with what's going on in your spirit, the deeper unseen places, than to be moved by just things on the outside. Are you getting that? I, I hope I can communicate that properly. So it's not that somebody has to stand in front of you and say, hey, do this, hey, do that. <laughs> but rather, you are aware because you are now aware of what's been put on the inside, who you are on the inside, that you are so aware of this greatness and this life on the inside of you that you are handling it with a lot of respect and reverence that you are saying, much more in this covenant, I don't need anybody to really just stand in front of me and command me to do this and that legalistically, but I'm responding because I understand what's been put inside me. I'm going to work what's on the inside. I'm going to bring it on the outside. It's going to affect my senses. It's going to affect the way I act. Isn't that interesting? Notice a similar way of talking is in the book of Hebrews where it talks about uh, you know, the kind of place we are today. We are heavenly Jerusalem, heavenly Mount Zion. So I turn to Hebrews 12 and verse 22. It says, But you are come unto Mount Zion, unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly, verse 23 continues, and church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven, and to God the judge of all, to spirits of just men made perfect, Jesus the mediator of the new covenant, the blood of the sprinkling, that speaketh better things than that of Abel. Notice, this is the atmosphere into which we find the new covenant church people. Your church life is actually, first of all, in heaven. It's a spiritual place. It's a place where there are angelic realms, where the blood of Jesus is available, spirits of just men made perfect, faith people who have gone ahead, and faith people today. It's into that atmosphere the church is actually supposed to be living. Can you see that? So it's not just, you know, organically speaking, just based on outside and how you look 
and how you dress today and you know what was your dress code and all that but we are supposed to be realizing that wow I'm in this heavenly realm my name is written in heaven there are angels all around the blood of the lamb is here everyone here is born again wow there are angelic realms open to me right here can you see how sublime that is so that's how the church is uh, and it's supposed to be viewed that way. Let's read maybe verse 23 in Kannada, please. Amen. So you notice here, God is the judge, and we are aware Jesus has his mediatorial role there, the blood of the sprinkling. Notice it's not the blood of bathing, but the blood of sprinkling. There is a sprinkling and there is a full washing also. Washing and regeneration is involved in the new birth. But sprinkling is involved after you become a believer. That's by confessing your sins. He cleanses you of all unrighteousness and you are restored back into fellowship with the Godhead. Amen? And with one another. So, you know, this is the new covenant way of thinking. And so, we're supposed to yield to that and uh, be more aware of that than just, hey, I'm in church and what's brother so-and-so wearing, what's sister so-and-so wearing, and uh, the music was kind of off and uh, the atmosphere. And, you know, we're supposed to like step away from all that and become more aware of these spiritual realities because of the power of the new covenant and the life that's been put into our spirits. Amen? So we, we cannot be like OT kind of people uh, just based on the five senses and what uh, information is coming to our senses. And we're not supposed to just rate everything based on that and be moved by that. But we're supposed to be working things on the inside outwards. Praise God. So uh, this has to come into us as a realization and we should begin to enjoy that uh, as more real than what we sense are you getting this hallelujah sometimes words are, have to be said again and we have to ponder on this over and over but notice the way he's looking at it verse 25 continues see that ye refuse not him that speaketh for if they escape not who refused him that spake on earth much more shall we not escape, or not we escape, if we turn away from him that speaketh from heaven. Let's hear that in Kannada also, verse 25. <laughs> Amen. So, because of that, we should realize uh, we are expected to be more sensitive, more open, more available to hear what God is speaking. God has not changed, but the covenant has changed. God is still speaking, and God expects us to receive and understand what He's speaking, and where adjustments have to be made, we make the adjustment. It's also that we can enjoy the benefits of that father-son relationship, the family of God, see? So, 
Um, you can see it's very sublime, but it is superior. And it's based on understanding that we are in another place, spiritually speaking. So we are not like buffoons, hard-headed, uh, legalistic type of people who need a whack on the outside. You know, hey, stand properly, lift up your hands, say hallelujah, say three amens now. You know, instead of all that, <laughs> we're supposed to be yielding to, hey, God is living inside me. His life is inside me. And guess where I am right now? When I come to church, I'm aware of His blood here. I'm aware of the Father. He's the judge, you know, and there are spirit realms open to me. Angels are available. Ah, all I sense is God around here. And from that kind of place, you become sensitive to hear what is God going to say to me now? What's the Spirit going to say to me now? I am ready to hear. I am ready to yield. Here I am, Lord. i like to minister unto you. It's been a while since I actually lifted you up. Praise God. Things like that. You know, so I don't believe that most of us have entered into that place. Because maybe the way we are taught, maybe the way we have been thinking... Uh, it's going through a change. But I believe that during the season, you know, the, the church is on the earth in different seasons. This is a particular season. And in this season, I believe we're getting to understand more and more the sublime, superior nature of the new covenant, the new creation life, the eternal life. Amen? Hallelujah. Let's go to another similar scripture over in First Timothy chapter 1. And I read there, Verse 9, he says, Knowing this, that the law is not made for a righteous man, but for the lawless and disobedient, for the ungodly, for sinners, for unholy, profane, murderers of fathers, murderers of mothers, manslayers, and the list goes on. You know, let's hear that in Canada also, verse 9. <laughs> Amen. So you notice that's not a very nice list of uh, characters. It's basically saying that the law is for sinners, for ungodly, unholy, disobedient people. In other words, they need something to be applied in rules, do's and don'ts. Can you see that? But the new creature has been, the righteousness of God has been imparted to his spirit man. He's a new creature. He's the righteousness of God. And so the law is not made for such a person. You don't need someone constricting you with do's and don'ts and so-called rules anymore. You are in a better place, a higher realm, that um, someone doesn't have to come and tell you what to wear and what not to wear, because you are aware from the spirit realm of your life, your nature, being in the class of God, the very righteousness of God. So the law is not made for righteous people. In other words, you see, you don't need somebody supervising your life like that. Thank God for the church. Thank God for the local pastor. And he does have an oversight to watch over the flock that are under his care. But, you know, really speaking, 
when we understand the, the life and the nature that's been imparted to us, given to us, born again, spirit man, filled with the life of God, wow, we become different and we act differently from inside out. Hallelujah. So um, all these battles about, you know, external conduct, they kind of change because you are not fighting about any stuff that's basically legalistic. You are living from inside out. You are uh, taking full uh, account of what's inside you. And the power of that new covenant is so sublime and so subtle that you don't need somebody to come and holler at you really because you're so open to God. You're so yielded that you can tell when God is speaking to you and you can make the necessary adjustments and you can move on with life. Hallelujah. It's an amazing thought. Now, if you go down the scripture in the New Covenant, you will find more and more of these kind of thoughts. So let's go off to Galatians and let's observe chapter 4. Galatians chapter 1, I mean chapter 4 verse 1. And I read, he says, Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, deferred nothing from a servant though he be Lord of all. In this case, we notice he's talking about, um, you know, a particular time where children had to go through a kind of um, training by governors, okay? And you were not allowed to be a son with authority until the governors or the teachers of the children had actually given that okay and said yes, this child has grown up. So even though you are a child, legally speaking, uh, you had no authority, so you had just about the authority as a servant, nothing more than that. Verse 2 continues, But is under tutors and governors until the time appointed of the Father. Can you see that? And then he goes on, Even so, we when we were children were in bondage under the elements of the world, but when the fullness of time, verse 4 continues, was come, God sent forth his Son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive, notice that, the adoption of sons. Hmm. We'll have to talk about some of these things, but let's see if we can get um, uh, something in Canada. Maybe verse 2. Thank you, Brother John. Hallelujah. So the father had appointed it like that, you know, in that season uh, which Paul was talking about. It was a time when parents had given a certain authority to these governors, governors and governing type of teachers who would bring up children until they were certifying the children were grown up and uh, then you know it was an age somewhere around teenage and then they had a whole ceremony of changing their clothes and all that so they would be wearing certain clothes uh, till a certain age and after that their clothing would be changed to symbolize that they had grown up and become sons so that they could carry the responsibility of sonship are you seeing that Let's uh, uh, read verse 4 also in Canada. 
ಆದರೆ ಕಾಲವು ಪರಿಪೂರ್ಣವಾಗುತ್ತದೆ ಭಾವಿಸುವಾಗ ದೇವರು ತನ್ನ ಮಗನನ್ನು ಸ್ತ್ರೀಯಿಂದ ಹುಟ್ಟಿದವನಾಗಿದೆಯೋ ನ್ಯಾಯ ಪ್ರಮಾಣಕ್ಕೆ ಒಳಗಾಗುವುದನ್ನಾಗಿ ಆಡಿ ಕಳುಹಿಸುತ್ತಾನೆ and then he continues in verse 5 to redeem them that were under the law that we might receive the adoption of sons let's hear verse 5 also in kannada nyaya pramaniyadaragana himochituvada naavu dattu putrara ikarevo svikaravannu hondavantu kalisutta amen so um here you have this problem with english language there the adoption of sons and so in english when someone says you're adopting a son it means that this person is not your biological child but you're going to bring him into your family and grow him up as your own child but that's not the actual meaning that is referred to in paul's letter he's talking about this change of when a child grows up and then he's made to become a major that whole jump and ceremony and adjustment there is called accepting him as my son are you getting this so these are your own natural children but they are not allowed to operate in any authority until they have grown up proven to their governors or their teachers and those that are overseeing them that they are now responsible and then their clothing was changed and they were given a different kind of clothing and those were the clothings uh, and the authority of a son are you getting this and from then on anyone who saw them knew this boy has authority in that family to execute the will and to do things as though the father is doing them wow isn't that interesting so there's a lot that hangs on this little part here you know if you if you're not aware of that you would think that maybe Jesus is not our real brother but we were just thrown in so maybe we are not just actually biological you can think that Jesus was a Jew and so everybody else uh you know was not really his brother but we just kind of got thrown in and adopted into that family da 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 na da da adopted into family da 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 you know all these cute songs and that's all nice because I mean if you go by the english that's about it but when you understand <laughs> when you understand the actual meaning of it it sheds a new light now i like to read it as though i did not know anything except english let's just imagine i did not know any other thing except english and i just read and then i would notice as i was reading there seems to be a juggling going on between people under the law and then people under grace you kind of stepping away from legalism and those who are under the law cannot actually operate as sons and so jesus came and delivered us so that we could be sons hmm that makes sense so that must be what adoption is are you getting it adoption is making a person truly a son instead of making them slaves hallelujah and then when you continue to look at you know progressive times down history then you realize that even the prodigal son when he came back guess what happened new set of clothes was prepared for him oh the boy is now grown up 
He has come to his senses. And so they give him that full authority. Amen? To be an heir of all things. Notice that he told the elder son, you're always with me. Everything I have is yours. But to this boy, he had to reestablish the fact that everything I have is now yours. Are you getting this? So it takes a little bit of understanding that you don't need to be clonked on the head and forced to do things uh, and always having people supervise every single detail of your life. But that when you grow up, you know how to uh, superintend your life, watch over your life much more now that nobody's watching. Are you getting this? You're more open to the fact that God has given you such treatment and responsibility and uh, imparted to you his own life. And you are now more conscious of who you are from inside that you now behave like a true son instead of just some guy who's trying to kind of like ride on that family and collect all that they can. <laughs> that would be the mentality of the prodigal before he became a true son. Are you getting it? So sometimes there are people who are in the family of God who act like the prodigal because they don't know that they're supposed to be all grown up and everything that they have in the house is actually theirs. Whatever the father has is theirs. And so they're trying to uh, get the maximum out because they're not sure whether all that the father has is really theirs. <laughs> are you getting this? So I remember... You know, sometimes I, I, I tell you about a story or something like that, but let's not leave our brother here with the Kannada translation. Let's read verse 5 in Kannada, please. Amen. So we're getting to understand more about this reality. It's about not being you know, pushed around by something on the outside, but taking a responsibility as a son from inside. And so uh, you're handling things differently, you know. You are working from inside out as a son who has the father's nature, realizing the responsibility that a son has. Amen? So like I was saying, sometimes I get a story from here and there, but there was this story set up that I had once talked about where they took a poor guy from off the street and uh, they made a, a bet about him. And they said, uh, you know what, let's just put him in this huge place and give him everything that you would give a millionaire. And uh, I'm sure he'll just take into it like a fish to water and he will just live. But because of his inner qualities, his upbringing, He's going to blow it all away. And so there was a wager among two rich men like that. So the first time they brought that guy into this huge mansion, they told him, you know, hey, this house is yours. Everything you see here is yours. <laughs> and he was like, yeah, it's mine. Okay, so these flowers are mine. And then he, you know, stuck the flowers somewhere in his big jacket. And then he said, so... This is mine. And he just began to take all articles and hide them inside his clothes. And then the people <laughs> were shocked and they said, um, actually, this is yours. And by chance, he broke a very expensive vase. And he said, oh, man, 
I broke that vase. And they said, well, it's your vase. They said, really? That's my vase. And then they said, actually, it's insured. So you made a lot of profit for us by breaking, <laughs> breaking that. It's, you know, sometimes it happens. We, we are not so sure that the house is ours and the kingdom is ours. The Father's glory is ours. The family is ours. The life of God is ours. We, we just have this mentality that's kind of lower. And so we're not understanding that he's actually trusting us to be all that his son should be. Amen? So notice, um, it, it's based on understanding, based on revelation, that you now say, oh, I'm, I'm sorry, I didn't act like a son there. Uh, I acted like a stranger. I acted like someone who did not know which family he came from and who, who my father was. And uh, I'm sorry about that. Forgive me. Can you see that things are going to change drastically? Things are going to be very different from legalistic uh, Christianity and, uh, you know, a lot of just sense-based Christianity. Amen? Hallelujah. So we're redeemed, thank God, out of the law, and we have received true sonship. So we are given responsibility today that even if nobody's standing over your shoulder with a stick or a booming voice, you know, you're going to act right. Amen? But in the process, if you miss it, thank God for the blood of the sprinkling. And you can go before Him and say, Lord, forgive me. I didn't act like a true son. I did not act like I had your nature. Forgive me. I was moved by whatever was on the outside. You know, the, the five senses are very selfish. And uh, they have ruled us for so long. And um, they dominate us until we put them in check and we by the Spirit now begin to dominate them. So that's how salvation works from inside out. Praise God. Now, let's go on and observe some thoughts like that. Second Corinthians, the 10th chapter, and the 4th verse. It says, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. And he goes on, Casting down imaginations, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Amen. Notice that um, we are involved in warfare. Freedom is free, but it's very expensive to maintain. He that the Son sets free is free indeed. You may remember that from John uh, 8.36. So Jesus came to set us free, paid the price for our freedom. And now that it's with us, we have to be able to maintain that freedom. Um, and that involves standing and fighting. And it involves intense war. And that warfare is based on what goes on uh, in our thought realms, based on the senses, what's on the outside. We're beginning to notice that there's a separation between the outside and the inside. Now it's becoming a little more clearer that the life on the inside is the real man, the real you. And the real life is the life that God has given, His own eternal life, which was given to us in Christ Jesus. The gift of God is eternal life through our Lord Jesus Christ or in our Lord Jesus Christ. Notice that it was given to us. And so... It's like, really? Really? We're trying to figure this thing out, you know. But hey, 
it's yours, it's mine. Now we need to live from that consciousness rather than the senses. So there's a war going on and we've been given weapons. But the weapons are not carnal. I would like us to look at first Corinthians, I'm sorry, let's hear this in Canada also, Second Corinthians 10 and verse 4. Amen. So there's there's warfare. Let's look at another verse also before we come back here. First Corinthians chapter two, and we'll jump off there for a minute. Let's go to um, verse six. First Corinthians two six. He says, "Howbeit we speak wisdom among them that are perfect." And here it means mature, uh, you know, come to a certain growth level where you are operating more from the spirit man than the outward man. Among them that are mature or perfect, it says King James, yet not the wisdom of this world, nor of the princes of this world that come to naught. Some versions say the dethroned powers of this world and so on. So we are not speaking uh, worldly wisdom when we talk and uh, we are operating from a place where we are thinking differently we are talking differently and that's where our weapons have mighty power so in the natural they look you know like nothing what 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 do you have but notice the life of god is invisible the truth is invisible faith is invisible god is invisible the wisdom of god is invisible the love, every, everything that we are supposed to be majoring in is invisible. Our own born-again spirit is invisible. Can you imagine that? And we've come to a church, a heavenly Jerusalem, the, the church of the firstborn, and that's also invisible. And, uh, you know, we're supposed to live from that realm. So the man on the outside with all of his senses really is not supposed to have much relevance on the man on the inside towards the man on the inside he's not supposed to call the shots at all <laughs> you know it's, it's quite interesting when you when you think about it we speak another wisdom which dethroned powers rulers that are brought to nothing cannot understand praise God so thank God we have that kind of wisdom and we speak that kind of wisdom Praise God. Verse 7 continues, We speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory. Oh, hallelujah. God has always thought about us having the glory, us being honored, us being brought to that place just as He is. Amen. Can we hear that also in Canada? Adare. Praise God. So, with these kind of thoughts, we are building up our thinking and getting ready for a more new covenant based kind of life. Hallelujah. Let's go to the book of Hebrews and we're going to come back to 2 Corinthians 10. Don't forget. Hebrews, the ninth chapter. And um, let's go over um, somewhere from verse 
23 says, It was therefore necessary that the patterns of things in the heavens should be purified with these, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. Wow, interesting. Let's hear that in Canada, please. Hebrews 9.23 Amen. Now look at 24. It says, For Christ is not entered into the holy places made with hands, which are the figures of the true, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. Let's also hear that in Canada, please. Amen. So you notice here that it's clear that there were a set of things in heaven which were also in copy form in the old covenant uh, tabernacle. And Jesus had to go to heaven and cleanse those which were copied on the earth with, with his own blood. In other words, the blood had to work in heaven also, meaning that man's failure and fault affected heaven also. You know, that's quite a thought because it means that God had been thinking that we were in the same class all the while. Isn't that interesting? Therefore, if you read the genealogy in one of the gospel accounts, it says it ends with Adam, son of God. Meanwhile, you know, for us newborn in Christ or born again in Christ, we cannot understand that Adam was considered as a son of God or in his class. And uh, the kind of authority and the place that God had given him is really amazing. But I believe where we are in Christ is, is far beyond anything that we can ask or imagine or think because we're given prayers to pray to understand it even. Are you getting this? God will help us. But that place had to be prepared so that we could sit back there again. Hallelujah. So... The work that Christ did was so complete that now man could enter boldly and sit there as though he and God were equal. How do you like that? Whoo, glory to God. This kind of thinking may be strange to the world, but it cannot be strange to the believer. Hallelujah. God has given us that place. He did all the work to make sure that we were ready for that, sitting there at his own right hand in Christ, that we could actually fellowship with him there. We could live from that place. Amen? And become more aware of that setting and that actual original home. Amen. Now let's go back to Second Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4. And as we read, The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. So over time, you know, certain thinking patterns would have been around us in our thinking and has become a stronghold over our mentality. And we have seen ourselves so much lower than where God has actually placed us. 
And so we end up struggling to be something that we already are. Hallelujah. And so it affects everything. It's, it's very subtle, but it's real. It, it affects the way we pray, the way we talk, the way we you know, carry burdens and worries. Amen. I believe that when we start thinking properly, these strongholds, which are also worries, cares, burdens, you know, will not be around anymore. Hallelujah. Praise God. They will be cast down. Verse 5 says, Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing to captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Notice that any other thinking is too high. Amen? We are supposed to have high thinking already. And any thinking that tries to bring it down is too high. And we cannot allow that kind of thinking. We have to bring into captivity every other thought to the obedience of Christ. Amen? Hallelujah. Let's hear verse 5 in Kannada, please. Amen. The more you think about it, you realize, therefore, the senses and the five you know, senses there have to be tamed and kept in a place that you decide whether you want to take anything from them or not. And they, de they do not rule you anymore. They come with their daily concerns and thoughts and plans. And then you decide whether you really need to accept them or not. And uh, that's going to be the, the main battle that we are engaged in. So Romans 12 says, the answer to it is verse 1, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Therefore, the only thing you can do is put your senses under lockdown. <laughs> you, 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 know, you have to offer them up as a sacrifice. They are alive, but they are sacrificed. In other words, you're not taking everything that comes from them. You have decided to live from inside out. Praise God. That's another level of life, and I believe you're already enjoying it. And um, from the comments I've heard, a lot of folks are enjoying what we are thinking on studying recently. And it's nice to know that, therefore, this is what we're supposed to be feeding on. This is what we're supposed to be thinking on. Hallelujah. Let's go also to Romans and uh, the ninth chapter. Don't worry, Brother John. We'll be back again in Romans 12. Look at Romans chapter 9. And let's read... Verse 7, he says, Neither because they are the seed of Abraham are they all children, but in Isaac shall thy seed be called. Let's hear that in Canada, please. Verse 8 continues, that is, they which are the children of the flesh, these are not the children of God, but the children of the promise are counted for the seed. Let's hear that also in Canada. <laughs> 
ಅಂದರೆ ಶರೀರ ಸಂಬಂಧವಾದ ಮಕ್ಕಳು ದೇವರ ಮಕ್ಕಳಲ್ಲ ಆದರ ವಾಗ್ದಾನದ ಮಕ್ಕಳೇ ಆತನ ಸಂತತಿ ಎಂದು ಎನಿಸಲ್ಪಟ್ಟಿದ್ದಾರೆ Sometimes it's hard to accept that not all Jews are going to be saved, not all Jews are on their way to heaven just because they are Jews. Here the scripture says not all the Jews are, you know, children of Abraham that are going to have a spiritual consequence. Praise God. And the it's been limited to only Isaac's, you know, lineage in Isaac. shall thy seed be called is saying so um praise god we would like the jewish people to be saved we like nations to be saved but today thank god you and i have accepted this place and we are called in isaac and so we have a spiritual um future not just a natural future also praise god and uh, we are children of promise and god is about the promise you see faith is about the promise and that's based on the integrity of god so you're questioning the integrity of god when you are doubting the promise you're saying no 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 god's not really worthy of being god god can change god is fickle god can lie you know all these kind of blasphemous thoughts that's as close to blasphemy as you can get to actually say that god will not keep his promise and that god's word is not going to come to pass that's as close as blasphemy as possible so realize here that the children of promise they are the actual blessed sons of abraham hallelujah no matter what you say that's the truth and um, i'm glad for the natural seed of abraham they are blessed you can see that they have a lot of physical blessings their part of the world seems to be so blessed but may they not be stuck there may they not be stuck in the realm of the five senses may their eyes be opened may they see the eternal realm and the inheritance of the father god the god of abraham are you seeing that now as you notice we we read some scripture there about he has given us the spirit of adoption whereby we cry abba father sometimes people are really moved by that and they they think maybe it's a special thing if you just say abba father you know instead of just saying father actually abba and father are the same thing it's just that people are so connected to in quote deep uh, mysterious uh, old testament kind of things that they just think maybe if i say abba that may make me closer to the father instead of just saying father <laughs> you see that's how we are so whether you like it or not thoughts have been piling around us and we think that maybe by speaking the same language that they spoke you may have some special corner on your relationship with god but honestly that's not how god looks at it at all god did not choose us based on whether we could speak the old dialect the original format and call him by his original name 
or any such thing. Praise God. He chose us even before time began. When we had nothing to offer to Him, He saw that when we were presented, we would say yes to Jesus. We would make a choice. And He chose us. And then He gave us everything. He imparted it to us, put it into our spirits, and we became the very righteousness of God. We actually have His own nature directly just as He is. And so we can call Him Father. Amen? Jesus, after the experience of coming out of the, the grave, and He was in the garden there, and they came to look for Him or to take the body, you remember that early morning, they ran to touch him and he said, don't touch me now because I have not yet ascended to the Father or ascended. But go tell the brethren that I'm going to my father and their father, their father and my father. Hallelujah. So this is the thing about it. Jesus was trying to introduce the fact that his father was now going to become our father. Amen. And even if you don't call him Abba, it doesn't matter. As long as you know he's your daddy, he's your father. And, you know, maybe we were not treated nicely or we were not grown up properly or maybe our fathers were not there or whatever it is. We can all learn to appreciate the Father God. Amen. And so uh, this is teaching us to love and understand the Father's heart so much that whatever natural people do or do not do, it doesn't affect us. Are you getting it? So that you can now love your father, receive from your father, and show others what the father has for them. Amen. Because he wants to be their father too. And he wants them to enjoy the benefits of the inheritance that Jesus paid for. Hallelujah. So the weapons of our warfare are very interesting. They have to now attack each of these thoughts. And you have to actually bring down anything that stands against this thinking. And if he's a good father, isn't he better than any natural father? If I went up to my father in the natural and he was ready and he had everything and I asked him and I expected from him, would he not give to me? Definitely. He said, how much more will your heavenly father give? So today, even though you may have not much from your natural father or maybe you don't even have a natural father or whatever it is, you can go to our Abba, our Father God, and say, Daddy, here I am. I'm so glad that I am your son. I can call you my father, that I have your own nature. And any other kind of thinking, I cast it down in the name of Jesus. I appreciate the sonship you have given to me. You have called me your own son, made me worthy to be your own son. I'm so grateful. Hallelujah. And I'm telling you, that's really what matters. Whatever your senses tell you, just call it a sacrifice. Don't even pay attention to it. Don't listen to it. It will fight you almost every day. Where is it? Where is your God? You know, somebody said uh, all of this stuff that's going on and many, many photographs of what's going on out there, the virus and all that. It's supposed to be a believer, he says... Uh, I'm really shaken. Where is God? You know, where is God? God is inside you, believer. <laughs> you may not see Him out there because that's not God. That's not God at all. That's fallen man and the devil and the earth coming to an end 
It's beginning to shut down. It's going through the birth pangs and it's closing down. We already seen, you know, earlier on how the earth was opening, all kinds of strange uh, earthquakes and splitting open of lands and all strange mysterious fishes falling all over the place, birds. And I'm telling you, it just keeps going like that because all of creation is getting ready for the time where the curse will be reversed, where we enjoy a thousand years with Jesus. Hallelujah. Where he's sitting in the throne in Jerusalem. Can you imagine that kind of life? Wow. And you know, the church is actually like a symbol of that period. Jesus is sitting inside us in the throne, enthroned in our spirit. And this is the land. This is the earth. And we're supposed to enjoy the blessing. Hallelujah. At least in your own life, whatever concerns you, your work, we should be able to release the blessing, release the benefits of being a member of that family. Jesus is actually inside us. And that's what we are learning to do. We're becoming more conscious of that. We're becoming more aware of that so that we don't have to be moved by our senses and what the senses are seeing out there. All of those photographs, just press delete, clear the whole thing out. That's going to fight against your imagination. There's no need to have that. Just tick, 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 delete all of them. What you need to think about is the scripture. It's particularly these kind of scriptures. Any other kind of knowledge can be just something fighting against your place of victory. Hallelujah. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to pull down every kind of stronghold and cast down every imagination, bring it to obedience in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Whoo, glory to God. I'm blessing myself here just reading these verses. Hallelujah. Let's go down the line again to First um, Timothy chapter 6. And let's read verse 12. Notice a familiar line of scripture. It says, fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life, whereunto thou art also called, and have professed a good profession before many witnesses. You could also say, fight the good fight of faith and get the benefits of the life on the inside of you. Benefits of God's life. What is the benefit of God living inside you? That has to be fought for. And you have to fight by faith, meaning that you trust what God said rather than anything else. That's a fight. Hallelujah. You, you fight to prove that you believe God's integrity, that God cannot change, God cannot lie. He does not change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And He's almighty. And if He told one lie, the whole thing would crash. Heaven and earth would pass away. Praise God. Let's read that in Canada, please. First Timothy 6 and verse 12. So notice he says, you professed a good profession in that verse. It, it means that faith has to do with speaking. There's got to be a lot of speaking, and that's the way this fight is going to happen. We have to say what we believe from what has happened on the inside of us 
and make the life of God more real than what you feel. You're going to have all kinds of feelings going on, but you're going to address those feelings. You're going to speak to those feelings. And the throne of God on the inside of you has to dominate in this life. And you have to receive the benefits that Jesus paid for. Because it, it costs His blood and He has only good plans. Plans for your glory. Plans for your goodness. Hallelujah. So let's look at something in, in the book of Isaiah. Isaiah, uh, let's go to 41. Isaiah 41. Notice that God has not changed through it all. Covenants have changed, but God has not changed. Isaiah 41 and verse 10. Let's notice this. It says, you may be familiar with this verse. My wife is... Uh, had this verse around her for a long time, and she won some battles over these things. Now, it says like this, Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Notice, he says, Don't be afraid, I am with you. Then he goes, Be not dismayed, or perplexed, or worried, or confused, for I am thy God. Then he continues, I will strengthen thee, yea, I will help thee. Yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. Hallelujah. Notice here. Let's hear that in Kannada, please. So I believe that is the Father God speaking here. He says, don't be afraid because I am with you. You know, Elohim is the one speaking there. It is the Old Testament Father God, Elohim. He says, I'm with you. You don't have to be afraid. Amen. He said, don't be confused, perplexed, worried, dismayed. Hallelujah. He says, I am there. And I'm going to make sure that you can be so calm. You don't have to be worried. Amen? He said, I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you. Amen? I will strengthen, help, uphold. Wow, what more do you want? Then he goes on to say how he does it. By the right hand. Of his righteousness. Praise God. And who is the right hand of his righteousness? Jesus became the righteousness of God for us. So this is actually saying. Father is saying. Through what my son is doing. Or has done. I am going to make sure. That you are upheld. That you are kept. You are strengthened. You don't have to be afraid. Or dismayed. Or bewildered. I will make sure. That you are going to be helped. In every way. To the place where you can just <sighs> calm down. All that tense, bewildered, anxious kind of stuff will just calm down. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Amen. Notice in Hebrews also he makes similar statement. Let's go to Hebrews. Hebrews. Jesus has done a mighty work for us. I believe you agree. Hebrews chapter 1, let's observe there. Verse 2, has in these last days spoken unto us by His Son, 
whom he has appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory, the express image of his person, upholding all things by the word of his power. Notice he said, I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. That's the word of God. Jesus upholding all things by the word of his power. So it's going back to the promises and the faith fight that we have to do. He upholds everything by the word of his power. Everything. Created everything, upholds everything. So I remember my wife had to speak that again and again and again for months. And she saw an amazing victory that generally changed so many things in her life. I'm so glad she stood with that. That was the main verse that she tapped out of. Hallelujah. And God still has not changed. He says, I will make sure that you are not dismayed. I'm with you. You don't have to be afraid. I'm the same God. Hallelujah. I'm going to be there to strengthen you, to help you, to uphold you. By the word, by the righteous right hand. Hallelujah. So this kind of fight is where we um, prevail and we lay hold. Glory to God. So he's in these last days spoken. Notice verse 2 says, Has in these last days spoken unto us by his son. You wonder when the last days began? From the time the son began to speak. So if that was the beginning of the last days, my brother, my sister, we're at the very end of these things. Don't you think so? So the words that you are hearing today are going to equip you to handle anything that the last days can bring. Don't be moved. You can stand there. He will uphold you by his righteous right hand. In other words, he will uphold you with the word of his power, where the word and the power have been interchanged. So we may have to speak some things. The more things are changing outside, the more the, the man on the outside, the five senses are being attacked and bombarded by all of this stuff, this information and changes that are going on. You need to know that your redemption is drawing nigh. Your time to go home is approaching. You know, I believe that it's going to happen. And... Um, he will find faith on the earth. Jesus had asked a question talking about the widow who you know, came to the unjust judge over there in Luke 18. And about the eighth verse, after everything, he said, Nevertheless, will the Son of Man find faith on the earth when he comes? So I believe that faith has to be maintained, spoken, acted on more as you see that day approaching. Notice also, the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 10. Let's go there. Thank you for being a good church. I don't need to be there over your shoulder, you know, telling you to do this and do that because you are aware of the life on the inside of you. You know your responsibilities from inside. And I can imagine you will do much more than even if I were standing in front of you. Praise God. But look at this. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 25 says, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another so much the more as you see the day approaching. What does that mean? You know, look for a chance to gather and much more 
when you know Jesus is coming. So you should not try to tone things down and lapse off because the days are evil and these are the last days, but rather look for ways to edify one another, build up one another, instead of forsaking one another. Amen? I know it's hard to keep in touch now. You really are so full of uh, media stuff bombarding you, and sometimes you're not able to keep in touch with you know, spiritual um, needs, but we are trying to make it available so that you can turn away from all this and that and the other and listen in and see what God has to say and strengthen yourself and help strengthen others. Amen? He says, assembling and building up. Praise God. Let's read verse 24 also. Let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. So if you hear us talking a lot about the love nature on the inside, God on the inside, it's because that's the recipe. Is you say the Lord's day approaching. As you notice, He's coming. So we have to provoke each other or stir up one another to consider these thoughts. So I'm on a personal crusade to try forgiving people, forgetting things that are past, so that my heart is sensitive to God rather than uh, other things. I, I want to be able to hear when He's talking. You know, he said, you are supposed to be more accountable than the natural mount people, like Moses and the natural mountain. He says, you have come to a spiritual mountain. He says, you need to be more careful. You need to hear what God is telling you. So sometimes your heart gets clogged up with all of this stuff, and you can't really hear what God said to you. But I believe things are changing. We're casting down every other imagination putting it down, offering our five senses as a sacrifice. Our senses are screaming, I want to do this, I, I want to say that, I want to hear this. And, and we're like, no, I don't care what the world said, I don't care what the enemy said, I don't care what the news is saying. What God said is final authority. He never changes. He cannot lie. He's going to hold you up. He's going to strengthen you. He's going to make sure that you are not dismayed. So don't be afraid. Hallelujah. Let's stick with the word. Amen? Now that's the way to do it. So let's contemplate these kind of thoughts. Praise the Lord Jesus. I'm going to go back again to another thought there in Jeremiah chapter 1. I had uh, quoted it maybe on the 1st of January or so. Jeremiah 1 and verse 12, he said, then said the Lord unto me, Thou hast well seen, for I will hasten my word to perform it. And the thing is that he had asked the prophet, What do you see? Look at verse 11. He says, Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Jeremiah, what seest thou? What do you see? So we could ask the same question. What do you see? Do you see what your senses are saying? Or do you see what God is saying? I'm daring to look at what God is saying. And then he tells the, the prophet, he said, you have seen well. He said, you have seen well. I will hasten my word to perform it. So the prophet said, I saw the word. And God said, correct. I will hasten my word. Or I will work with my word to make it come to pass. God is indebted to make his word come to pass. So when you look up, when you close your eyes, 
what do you see? Make sure you see the word. Make sure you see what God has said rather than what people are saying, what the news is saying, what natural circumstances are saying. I'm telling you, I went shopping the other day and, um, you know, the guy in the shop speaks my kind of language. So, you know, he just started off the bad news and how guys are suffering and how things are not looking great. And, and I said, yeah, it's true, you know, but that's what's out there. Things are not looking great. It's because Jesus is coming. So eventually I ended up telling them about how Jesus is coming. And, you know, your heart has to be ready and so on. You know, this is not our final destination. We are here to stand as a witness, to make sure we are blessed in the midst of it all, so that we are a peculiar people, a chosen generation, higher than all the others, that people can see. These people are different. They're enjoying another level of life. They have to notice that. And that's when the testimony is different. So we cannot join them in their conversation and then carry it home with us and then start wondering, how am I going to make it? <laughs> so I had to dump it there. After I finished talking with him, I had to leave it there. It is true. You know, there are pictures of people being carted off in big containers and taken away, you know, laborers going back home. And I mean, there's nothing neat about it, nothing good about it. But I have to dump all that because I've got a father the Almighty God. He has paid the price. And I wish they would know. And I wish more would know that there's plenty in Abba Father's home, in my Father's house. Hallelujah. There are many mansions there. And that place supplies for me. Hallelujah. Go with me, please, as we prepare ourselves to receive these benefits. First Corinthians, the third chapter. Verse 20 says, The Lord knows the thoughts of the wise, that they are vain. That's natural wisdom. It's vanity. Don't worry about natural wisdom. You may, in the natural, you may look like some nothing. Your weapons are not carnal, but they are from another realm. Hallelujah. Verse 21, Therefore let no man glory in men, for all things are yours. All that the Father has is yours. And he continues, whether Paul, Apollos, Kephas, the world, life, death, things present, things to come, all are yours. What does he mean by that? Life, death, it means it's in your authority. Paul, Kephas, which is another name for Peter, all these men of God were for you to receive revelation. So that you would know your authority over life and death. Notice, life and death are in the power of the tongue. Proverbs 18.21 So you could know everything is actually in your authority as a son of God. And as a son of God, I need to take my place and think properly like the father's own son and, and make demands in the natural realm. The body has to obey even though it doesn't want to. My mind wants to go here and there. And follow the anxiety and cares of the world. But he said, many are the afflictions of the righteous. The Lord delivers him out of them all. All. Ha ha ha. The Lord delivers him out of them all. Amen. Look at another scripture. 
I'd like you to, let's finish this first. Man, it's, it's good stuff. Observe verse 23. And you are Christ, and Christ is God's. You see how it all just matches in? You are Christ's, and Christ is God's. You, the Father, the Son, the Holy Ghost, the Godhead, you're all together in this. Praise God. The natural man is trying to figure it out. The senses are trying to figure it out. You don't have to pay attention to them. You command them. You tell them to come in line. Like, I believe it was Smith Wigglesworth. Somebody asked him, how, how are you? He said, I forgot to check. Then he said, I don't check. I tell myself how I am. <laughs> you know, these men have walked on this earth and gone back. Praise God. He said, I don't check. He started ministry, uh, you know, later on in life. I think in his 50s. And he went strong all the way into his 80s. All over the world. He said, I didn't check. I tell myself how I am. So, you know, you can pick that up and say, wow, whatever is of faith, whatever is a good report, whatever is lovely, praiseworthy, that's what I'm going to think about. I tell my body. I tell myself. I tell my sources. I tell my account. I tell my pocket. Praise God. Filled in Jesus' name. What do you see? I see supply. My God shall supply. That's what we should see. See, that was written to the Philippians who were involved with him. And so, because you're a giver, because you're a tither, you should say, I see supply. I don't see anything else. You don't have to see what the world is seeing. I see supply. Do you see supply? See supply. Close your eyes and see supply. That's God's will. All things are yours. Everything. Life, death, the world, things to come, all things are yours. And they are Christ, and Christ is yours, and He's God's. So you, it's a family here. It's all that great family of which you are now a son. Amen? I'm a true son. You need to get used to saying it. I'm a true son. I'm a son of the Father. I have the inheritance of the Father. I have all that the Father has. All that heaven has is on my side, in my account. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. That's the truth, isn't it? Glory to God. Hallelujah. Let's go to the book of Job. Job, you know, people use Job for all kinds of misery. But I'm telling you, there's stuff in Job that you can see which is such a blessing. And this will help in your warfare to fight. Praise God. Job 19.25. Look what he said. For I know that my Redeemer liveth that he shall stand at the latter day upon the earth. Are you getting this? So you can say, I know my Redeemer lives. And he was, he's going to come to the earth one of these days. But before that, he's coming in the clouds, and you will go away with him. Hallelujah. The day when he stands on the earth will be when you come with him for that next realm. But before that, I believe you and I will go with him. Praise God. So in this context here, just know your Redeemer lives. He's not dead. He's alive. He's there. What He said He will do. You can also combine that with another thought from um, 2 Timothy. Let's observe that also. 2 Timothy 
chapter 1. And let's observe there. Verse 12. Paul is talking about some of his sufferings there. He says, For the which cause also I suffer these things. Nevertheless, that changes everything. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed. For I know whom I have believed. <laughs> and I am persuaded he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. So, God will keep his own part of the bargain. Don't worry. He's on your side. He's going to do what he said. He said, are you convinced? I'm convinced. Just be convinced that what he said, he will do. He will do what he said. He's the Redeemer. He's alive. He'll keep his part of the bargain. He'll do what he said. Amen? So get ready for that. Don't, don't get moved. Don't get uh, pushed around. Hallelujah. Hmm. This thing keeps getting better and better. Let's go to James chapter 1. I believe you got something already. This will help us. Let's read verse 17. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Are you ready for things that have not changed. The earth changes, but God doesn't change. If God promised something, He'll still reach it to you. He never changes. It's going to be good. It's going to be perfect. It's not based on whether the earth is good or not. Are you seeing that? The earth may change, but God said, I have good stuff. I have perfect stuff. I have free stuff. <laughs> Every good and perfect gift comes from above. Amen. The things that are from above belong to you. Whatsoever thing you desire, when you pray, believe you receive, you shall have. It's based on that simple agreement that your father cannot lie. So if you believe, you believe it, you receive it, you thank him, it's yours. Every good and perfect gift. It doesn't matter about what's going on in the earth. He doesn't change. He's still the giver of the good and perfect. Are you seeing that? Now, notice verse 18 follows on its heels. Of his own will begat he us with the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. In other words, he is the father. You are his child. You were born of his will, of his word. And so this is what he's planning to do. Make you a first fruit or tithe. He's making you like a tithe. You know, people... Back in the Old Testament, they would look for what was good and give it to God. In the New Testament, sometimes, church people, what they do is they take the good notes and they give it as a tithe. Have you noticed that? Yeah. They have some mentality like that. God is saying, you are supposed to look like a special tithe creature. God's special first fruits. His best. Are you getting it? So you have to be the one that receives from heaven say amen so that people will see hmm, these guys are different man they look different they look special chosen above never beneath the head not the tail all those things are still spoken about you they are the blessings that never change it has not changed Christ paid for them and just because the atmosphere around you seems to be tough 
and everybody else is complaining, you don't have to change because your father doesn't change. Why should you change? Keep your mind. This is the time to fight. This is the time to refuse such thinking. This is the time to continue believing, fighting the good fight, expecting to lay hold on the benefits of that eternal life living inside you. Praise God. This is the time to man up. This is the time to say, if Jesus paid for it, I will receive it. Whatsoever thing I desire, when I pray, I believe, I receive it, I will have it. This is not the time to be moved by what everybody else is saying, what the media is saying, what the temperature is saying, what the weather is saying. No. Every good and perfect gift comes from above, not even from here. Are you getting it? It's for you. God has special delivery systems to make it come to you. So, my brother, my sister, don't give up. This is the time to buckle up and say, Nah, I've just started. One day at a time. Don't, don't take too long. Just one day at a time. Daily is enough. Forget yesterday. Don't worry about tomorrow. Today. Handle the word. Take these promises. Fight with them. Refuse to accept anything else. God has good plans. He has not changed. His question is, what do you see? And I believe we're seeing more clearly. We're seeing more and more that we are His sons with His own nature. Jesus went all the way to heaven, paid so that we would rule from the heavenly realms over the natural realms. We would dominate as though it was Jesus Himself seated with Him, ruling with Him, reigning with Him with words. Dominating with this kind of attitude. Hallelujah. So this is a time that we will strengthen one another. Keep ourselves in the love of God. Forgive, forget. Don't let anything clutter up your believer system. So that you can receive what God has paid for. We are basically on the receiving end. Praise God. Let's learn to receive properly. Let's learn to act on God's word. Receive these benefits. Hallelujah. God is a faithful God. We're going to take communion now over these matters. Prepare your heart. What does it mean to prepare your heart? It means if there's any adjustment you need to do in your thinking, make the adjustment. If there's someone you need to forgive, if there's some things that you need to release, do it. Don't keep it overnight. Before the sun goes down, make sure you settle your accounts. You know? Husband and wife, don't let bitterness come. Every root of bitterness that tries to spring up, close it down. You know, bitterness can come like a root. It will like to, to rise up and pollute everything. But just let it go. Forget about it. Go make peace before the sun goes down. It's, it's better to live like that. God wants us to receive what His Son paid for. It's not in vain. Amen? So, Father, we look to You right now. The one who paid the price for us. So that we on this earth may receive the benefit of eternal life on the inside. Showing up on the outside. In the name of Jesus. We are aware right now. That if we would not be righteous. If there was anything that you did not pay for. You would not have risen again. You would have stayed in that grave. But because you paid completely, because the work was finished, because we were made righteous by that powerful work, 
That's why you rose again, Lord. You rose again because everything was settled. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for what you did. Your death, your burial, and resurrection. We are grateful. On that cross, you took our place. You took our curse, our sin, our poverty. You took our spiritual death. You bore all of that. We're so grateful. Ha, 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 ha. We laugh at famine and pestilence. In the name of Jesus, we declare, until we see you face to face, that what you paid for is more than enough so that we can abound to every good work. We're so grateful. You paid so that we come out completely free. You brought your chosen out with gladness. You gave them the land of the heathen. You brought them out with silver and gold. No feeble person, no sick person amongst them. Thank you, Lord Jesus. How much more under the new covenant. We are grateful. You have not changed. We have a better covenant based on better promises. Your integrity is handling these things today. Hallelujah. If you have some bread or cracker with you, this is a good chance to just... Take it in your houses, wherever you are. Know that Jesus has paid for you. Release any captive in your heart. Forgive, forget, let it go. In the name of Jesus, we receive, Lord, what you paid for. We show it until you come. In Jesus' name, amen. Shall we eat and drink in Jesus' name? Hallelujah. Praise you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. 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 Hallelujah. I believe God is healing someone's windpipe, their trachea, some kind of infection in their trachea. The windpipe, that means in their lungs, healing mercies are flowing there in the name of Jesus. All the way down, mercies of God are working. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. We call it done. We call it so in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for your mercy is working right now. Your people are receiving their benefits. You paid for it. The earth is yielding for it. The angels are working right now. Favor is released in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. All things are possible. All things are possible. We believe. All things are possible. We believe. No word is is. Void of its power. Not one of your words shall fail. In the name of Jesus. Thank you Lord. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord Jesus. If you'd like to give an offering. Now is a good chance. Those of you who like to share with us. By way of. Um, online. NEFT or whatever. I believe. 
God said, Give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. God will cause men to give unto your bosom. With the measure you meet, it shall be measured back to you again. And therefore we act on it, Lord, and we give, expecting in Jesus' name. Amen. And we use this as a point of contact also for those who would like to give tithes or any kind of offering. Father, here mortal men receive, as it is written in Hebrews 7, 8, mortal men receive, but there he that lives forever receives it. I take your place today and I receive in Jesus' name, but it is into your hands that this is happening. And so the devourer is rebuked. He cannot steal, cannot destroy the labor, cannot destroy the harvest. Your people receive in Jesus' name. Amen. Glory to God. I'm so glad we made it so far. I believe you had a good time. And uh, please stay in touch. If you have a testimony, if you like to share a prayer request or something, let us know about it. Whatever it is, if there's any way we can help you, we are available. You are blessed. Thank you again, team. Thank you, uh, Brother John.